grace and peace to all of us. Before I continue on with my uh, message today, I just want to take this opportunity uh, to thank all of us, Gilang Evangelical Free Church. You know, last week we finished our Good Neighbours Day where we invited our MacPherson Breakbreakers residents to come and uh, have a time of makan, eat together, have fun together, and that we play good hosts uh, to them. And in fact, uh, there's a feedback from the SMC, and it's a very encouraging one. Let me just read to you the feedback of the SMC to encourage all of us to carry on this good work. You know, the SMC said that, right, from the residents, what they, what they say is that they really enjoyed the sessions with us, the program was good, there's a lot of food, and, uh, you know, the friendship with one another was very warming. So I just want to thank, on behalf of the leaders and those who are planning, uh, all of us, for putting all the effort, uh, being a host, uh, being salt and light for them. And I want to encourage all of us that uh, there will be other moments that will be coming. Uh, come and join us. And especially, I think the next one will be the um, Christmas, uh, let me see, Christmas block party. I think it's on the 3rd of December. So, block out the dates and come and join us to bless the Mapperson Brabricus uh, residents. Okay, uh, the picture is not I put one. You know, if he doesn't know what it means, right, it's pasta bun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, brother Charles. But I hope you are, when you're eating, right, you're not uh, falling asleep, okay? So, so, let me share a short video before I continue. Uh, just press the video. Just press again. Silly songs with Laddie, the part of the show where Laddie comes out and sings a silly song. Joining Larry are Pa Grape and Mr. Lunt, who together make up the infamous gang of scallywags, the pirates who don't do anything. We are the pirates who don't do anything. We just stay at home and lie around. And if you ask us to do anything, we'll just tell you. We don't do anything. Okay, I'm not sure whether you all watched this before. You know, when I watched this, right? This is one of my favorite VeggieTales silly songs. Okay. Uh, not, and not only me, you know, and it's, and, and it's my, together with my younger daughter, uh, Song Yi. Now, to my wife's frustration, uh, Sulin, we, we sing this song while we roll around the floor mat, you know, and I guess that is us subtly telling her, stop nagging. Okay. <laughs> And to, because you got some chores or, you know, or homework that we need to complete, especially for Song Yi to complete. Okay. So to not have to do anything was both Song Yi and my secret wish declared through our songs. <laughs> so maybe for some of you here, it is also your secret wish. You know, even our church fathers, uh, Augustine of Hippo, uh, pointed out that human nature is inclined to laziness. And he says, inactivity, sloth, laziness, negligence are vices which shun labor, since labor, though useful, is itself a punishment. <laughs> you know, when I read this, right, I say, oh, that's, that's so like me, man. Here, the video is funny. Uh, it's a funny video that we can laugh about. But in real life, right, most of us would agree that if we encounter a person who is idle, lazy, and not be helpful, 
It's not funny at all. In fact, right, we will frown upon them. As a student, we will have one or two classmates that we try to avoid doing project with, you know, because we know that, right, you're going to tank everything. Or in the army, so those people who are in army, right, you know, you'll be uh, that senior or the officers, right, that you'll try to avoid at all costs because, right, you know that he's, he or, uh, he's going to pass you his duty because uh, he doesn't want to do it, but you have no choice, right, because he's a senior. Okay, these are some of the few examples of some of us might have experienced the lazy individuals. How about us as believers of Christ? Are some of us walking in idleness? How does idleness look like in church? And how does our idle behavior affect our relationship with fellow believers, our ministries, and even the watching world? Let us learn from Paul's instructions to the Thessalonians on the issues of idleness in God's loving community. Let me pray first and now before we continue. Father God, we want to ask your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us as we listen to your, to your word. Lord, you say that your word goes out and will not come back in vain. So I pray for my brothers and sisters, including myself, as we listen to this word, Lord. May you help us, your Holy Spirit, lead us to reflect upon our own life and know where you are leading us. Grant us a humble spirit to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before I dive into the passage, let me just do a very quick recap. Okay? You know, this, this second letter Paul wrote to address three issues. One, in chapter one, Paul knows that right, the persecution had been intense and continuous. So he wrote to promise and promise that right, God would one day vindicate them when Christ come again. In chapter two, Paul had to address the wrong teaching about the day of the Lord within the church, assuring them that they did not miss it as the second coming had not yet happened. And today in chapter 3, idleness has become so serious since Paul's last mention in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that he had strong words and instructions to discipline the idlers in the Thessalonian church. But you ask, why they don't work. You know, one of the possible reasons, I mean, there are many, but I just want to choose one. Okay, you can read up uh, if you want to. One of the possible reasons why some of the Thessalonians do not want to work for a living could be due to the wrong understanding of their eschatological expectation. They thought that there was no point working for a living since Jesus is coming again. And, oh, maybe he's really here. So they stopped working and waited for the event to happen. But in the meantime, he didn't calculate, oh, what about food? Where to stay and all this? You know, no money to feed themselves. Hence, what they do? They depend on the resources of the church. With Paul's correcting the wrong eschatological expectation in chapter 2, now they have no reasons, no reasons not to work. But what motivates Paul strong words of discipline for the idlers in the Thessalonian church. You know, just now when Pastor John was talking about uh, um, uh, dedicating the council, and one of the things that he talked about is the work must be worked with love and discipline too. I think Paul is doing this. When he's saying this, he's saying out of his love. Let me continue. 
Now, as we know, the Thessalonian communities was a small and new church. Financially, they were extremely poor. As we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, both, but despite their poverty, they gave generously to meet the needs of their own community and even to beyond. I mean, you'll hear some of these things, you know, they give to the Macedonian church and uh, even they give to the Jerusalem church when the Jerusalem uh, believers are in um, poverty. However, the Thessalonian believers were discouraged by idolists among them. As a church, not only were they weathered weathering the constant and intense persecution from their enemies, but they also have to fight against heresy. And now, they had to manage their own fellow believers who refuse to work for a living but depend on their church support. I mean, if you're in their shoes, right, how would you feel? Maybe angry? I'm so selfish and all this, if you're in their shoes. The idol brothers were not living their life as how a Christ follower should live. This action were not loving one another as commanded by Jesus to love. In John chapter 15, verse 34-35. Paul's motivation to discipline was out of his love for the young church and also those who are idolists. He wanted, he wanted God's loving community in Thessalonica, the church, to be characterized by their love for one another expressed through works. Idleness has no place in God's loving community. With that background in mind, let's turn to our Bibles, if you have Bibles or if you have your handphones or whatever, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 to 15. And let me read. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 to 15. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brothers who is walking in idleness and not in accord, or in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourself know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we work night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. <clears throat> For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. <clears throat> Just me. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some of you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Not such, now, such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. <clears throat> as you, brothers, as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be, sh may be ashamed. Do not regard him as enemy, warn him as a brother. <coughs> the orderly life characterizes God's loving community. Verse 6 to 10. No, walking in idleness is wrong because it's against the teaching and the values of Christ. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 to 10, just now where we read, uh, first part of it, 
You know, the Greek word for walking in idleness, I mean, I was, trying, I was struggling with what he's trying to say. In ESV, that's not what we read, could also be translated as disorderly life or undisciplined life. The reason why ESV used walking in idleness is because the disorderly life that Paul had in mind in this passage is the idle life of some of the Thessalonians. And that's why he said walking in idleness. So the disorderly life or idleness in the context of the Thessalonians is not according to the teaching of Christ. Paul came down hard to the Thessalonians this time round. You know, the first time when he mentioned this was in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He expresses, he encouraged them, he urged them to do and to work with their hands, use it to encourage them to, uh, to serve and to love. But using this phrase in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ at this time around in Second Letters, Paul intentionally stressed that the command was not only the apostles' wish, but of the Lord Jesus Christ's command. What is the command? It was an authoritative command for the whole church, not only the leaders, to discipline those who were not living according to the teaching of Christ. Very, very harsh words. You know, New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says, the premise behind much of Paul's exaltation is that if God has created a new Messiah family in Thessalonica, and if that family is based on and characterized by nothing less than the self-giving love of Jesus Christ himself, then there are certain ways of acting that are necessary and other ways that are inappropriate. For the start, as a family, it means that each Christian within the church family has the responsibility to look out for the needs of the others, to give comfort, warning, strengthening, an example wherever necessary. Precisely like a neat, a tight knit family, there are certain inappropriate behaviors like idleness, laziness, being a busybody, and sexual immorality. And where such behavior occurs, there are appropriate styles of discipline within that family. Unquote. The Thessalonians belongs to God's loving community as they came to know the Lord through Paul's ministry. Paul and his companion taught the new family, the tradition or the teaching of Christ to them so that they knew what appropriate and inappropriate behaviors and actions in Christ's teaching. When some of the Thessalonians lived a disorderly life, walking in idleness, in the midst of God's loving community, Paul and his companion, or Paul as their founder and leader, had to give specific instructions to the church to correct to take action against the idlers. For an orderly life and not a disorderly one must characterize God's loving community. In fact, you know what? Paul and his companions were not people with empty words. They live out the example. Paul worked and set an example for an orderly life. You know, he walked the talk. Just he didn't preach it only. Paul and his companion worked in Thessalonica, was well known their work was well known and plain to the Thessalonians, for they toil and labor night and day so that they will not be a burden to the Thessalonians. For they knew that many of them are poor. Therefore, out of their love, Paul, and Paul worked hard for their own living or his own living while preaching the gospel and ministering to them. 
Their love for God's message and his community differentiated them from their contemporary philosophers and itinerant speakers who were just out there to gain a profit from their hearers and also their followers. So for Paul and his companion, not wanting to burden the Thessalonian church financially was not because they did not have the right. They have the rights as leaders. Not because they do not have the right to ask them for their support, but rather to set an example of how an orderly life is to be lived out in God's loving community. It's out of His love for them. The orderly life is God's mandate in verse 10. You know, the command to work for a living and support oneself was not surprising to the Thessalonians. It was given to them multiple times when Paul was in Thessalonians, or Thessalonica, he already telling them. First letter, he also wrote about it. Now he's talking about it in the second letter. So it's not surprising to them that he got to work. In fact, the command to work was grounded in the Old Testament and was part of the tradition of the New Testament church. Work is part of God's mandate for humanity after he created them. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, after God created the man and the Garden of Eden, he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. After the fall, because of man's sin, God cursed the ground and said to man, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. So man is to work hard for their food, for their living from then on. So it was outright disobedient and against the scriptural teaching of God's word when idolaters persistently refuse to work with their hands but keep depending on their brothers to support. This disorderly life of idleness was not loving towards one another in the community and it caused much chaos and discouragement in the church. So, how are we loving one another? I mean, in GSC, is, are we known for our love for one another? I mean, as we love one another, we serve, we work. And for me, right, is yes. I mean, you have heard me say so many times about how I have experienced God's love through this community and different one of us here. Just to give one example, before I move on, you know, of how some of you were here, uh, uh, here have labored and blessed the church community and I myself have experienced. I'm thankful to God uh, for the two police. No, don't, if you don't know who is, uh, who are they, right? They are the ones who lead us worship, in worship today. For their faithful and hard work for the Lord and for His people, especially during the COVID seasons when worship service could not be, online, could not be uh, on-site and must be online. Most of us would have known how much work they put in as a family, week in and week out, so that we could have, we can continue on to worship God online, on the online platform. To me, it was an excellent job, well done, out of their love for God and for His people. Thank you once again, Charles, Anju, Caleb, Johan, and Hosanna. Thank you so much. You know, since the orderly life and not the disorderly life <coughs> characterizes God's loving community, what then should the idols do? Point two. Stop idling. Start working. For, the, for this build up God's loving community in verse 11 and 12. You know, stop causing the disruptions in the church, but start to work. 
You know, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 11 and 12 says, For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now, such person we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earn their own living. Destructiveness of idleness is seen in not working. Paul turned his attention directly to address those who are not working in the church. He spelled out clearly what the issue was. <coughs> the idols were not busy at work, but busy bodies. This disruptive behavior because of their idleness affects the order in the church and the ministries. How? How did it affect? First, they were busy meddling with other people's matters and they're not working. Gossiping and maybe even sowing discord among brothers in the church. This bad behavior caused others in the church to stumble and be discouraged. Secondly, the idlers refused to support themselves would also mean that the destruction of the church ministry that looks after those genuinely in need. You know, the limited resources that they have, right, to give to the needy, now need to share with those who are not working. Uh, it's unfair for... It's definitely unfair. Moreover, it's greatly hindered the advancements of Christ's message or the gospel message as the idols' disorderly lie give a bad reputation to Christians in the Thessalonian church. For they are supposed to represent Christ well through their works, as mentioned in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 10 to 12. And then lastly, right, the idols' actions do not exhibit the love that was shown by Christ's selfless love for the church. Their need to be supported, even though they could work, discouraged those brothers who were toying night and day to do good for the Lord and the community. Their selfish behavior stumbled their fellow brothers and caused disruptions and chaos in the church. What is Paul's remedy? Work quietly and earn your own living. Very simple, right? Paul's instructions given in the Lord Jesus Christ was to warn those who were idling. If they continued to ignore the command, they were not just rejecting the apostles' command, but also the authority of the Lord Jesus himself. It is like, hey, last warning. Huh? So, they were instructed to work quietly, and when they engaged in work and earned their own living, they also relieved the church from the additional burden to support them. You no longer the need to be dependent on anyone in church. They can also be an active contributor by joining the church to bless others who are genuinely in need. The Thessalonians were well known for their labor prompted by love for one another in their own community and beyond. For Paul's command to those who are walking in idleness was clear. As believers of Christ who are called to love one another, stop idling, start working. So most of us, I would say, might not have the issue of, and struggle with not engaging in work. Like the Thessalonians, that is their context. We are swarmed each day with our work, school, or personal activities. And it is good to work hard to pursue what we desire and enjoy. Giving our best in all that we do. And as we, mo as we are motivated to give our energy to our pursuits, have we also considered giving the same energy and excitement for the work of God? How are you involved 
in serving God and His people in church, either in a ministry or personal efforts? How have we ex- exercised the spiritual gifts and talent that the Lord has given us to advance Christ's kingdom in our life and in the church recently? How can we be part of God's kingdom work? I mean, one of that is already here. Just now, my auntie, uh, or rather, Pei have shared, right? There are so many needs in the children, CHC, asking for help. So, okay, I thank God that, you know, firstly, He has provided GFC with many faithful workers throughout the years, in the past 27 years, to serve Him here in church. In our youth ministry, or in the youth ministry, I had the privilege to serve together with a group of fantastic brothers and sisters who love God and people. They serve the youth in our church and the boys and the girls brigade in junior and secondary school. Those who are involved in Kaleo ministry, and if you didn't know by now, Kaleo ministry also involves BB and GB, okay, are this group of people. Okay, they are repeated lah, because I'm trying to get everyone in the picture. <laughs> but I realized that every picture got somebody missing. <laughs> so, uh, the most complete picture, right, is the center one where I think Joseph used his 360 uh, camera to take uh, in our meeting. But uh, if you cannot see, right, actually on your left side, right, the small little square is actually uh, Colin's picture because Colin was in uh, Melbourne at that point of time. So he was, he was doing a, a <laughs> streaming with us. Yeah, we have, you know, we have Sulin, we have Sharon, we have Kimberly, Karis, Colin, Uncle Harry, you know, uh, Ethan Chen, Yichin, Cherish, Joseph, Gordon. And I'm so thankful to God for their giving of their time, energy, sweat, tears, joy, and sorrow for God's kingdom. For the glory, for all glory goes to God. From the bottom of my heart, thank you, brothers and sisters, for serving together with me in God's ministry. And if you don't know, I think some of them double head, some of them you see that they're serving in Kaleo, at the same time they're serving in BB and in GB. Uh, a lot of work. This is only in the youth ministry, you know, the youth ministry, and we still have many others who serve in children ministry, and those people who don't know, people we walk in, and there's pictures, the the Sunday school teachers' pictures are on the wall. Okay, if you want to know who are they, okay, we have young adult ministry, we have cell group leaders, we have council, etc. and etc. God is good. Do we still need more people to be involved and serve? Duh. Yes, yeah, thank you. I hear your answer. <laughs> Even though we are not a big church, we are always do, have, uh, do not have enough people to serve together with us. You know, I just returned from uh, council retreat yesterday, and one of the items that we discussed was the finding of the fireside chat during the June camp this year. If you still remember, we were asked to answer a few questions, and one of the questions asked was, what are some complaints you have about GFC, and what is your wish behind the complaint? Guess what? It's at the top. Lack of people serving. The cry is for more of us here to serve and be involved in God's work together to bless the community, to bless the community here and to bless the community out in the Gilang community and even to the ends of the world. I do not know what is happening in each or one of your lives now, 
But can I urge all of us to seek God and how you can be on how you can be involved in His work in this season of your life. There are a lot of work needs to be done. You know, in the council, I just thinking about in the council, right? As of now, we have five deacons, five deacons, and actually one elected elder and two co-opted elders. We need more people to serve. So to continue back to Second uh, Thessalonians, Paul's admonition to them is: start, stop idling, start working. But what if the idlers? still refuse to obey, then what? Encouragement and discipline are needed in God's loving community. Now, as a church, we need to encourage those who are doing their best to love one another, but also to discipline those who persist in doing wrong. Second Thessalonians 3, 13-15 says, As for you, brothers, do not go weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey, what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Encouragement, uh, encourage those who are weary. Paul recognized that he, that as he admonished the idlers, he also need to encourage those brothers who work tirelessly for the Lord and for their brothers who are in need. In the, in the Thessalonian context. So he encouraged them for their good work done in the Lord, even when they were discouraged by their fellow brothers who idols. Paul encouraged them to keep on doing the good work, not growing weary because their support was essential for the, the needy at the point of time and express, that is an expression of their love for God and, and God's people. But what about those who were continuing in their disorderly life, walking in idleness, remaining in idleness in the church? Paul commands the church to discipline with redemption in mind. The idle brother must be identified and the whole church must come together to exercise discipline on him. They must not allow disorder behaviour like idling to continue on within the community of, of God for the good of the church and also for the good of the brother who is being disciplined. I believe the apostles' instructions to obey Christ's teaching was taught in the church and even used to admonish the brothers who idols all this while. And if any of the brothers choose to persist in living a disorderly idol life, discipline will need to be exercised appropriately. Paul might have exercised Paul might have exercised, you know, what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 18, 15 to 17, with regards to church discipline. But I just read. I think you know he has taught he has shared with them, he has encouraged them, he has talked to them, and then now he comes to the place where maybe you need to be a bit more harsh. In Matthew 18, what Matthew 18 says, if your brothers or sisters sin, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matters may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Hey, this is not my words, it's Jesus' words. 
At first, it looks like Paul was commanding the church to excommunicate the idol brothers. Wow, scary. But later in verse 15, right, of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, it seems like the situation was not drastic enough to cast him out like the sexual immoral person mentioned in 1 Corinthians 5, but a limited form of dissociation with the brother. The purpose for the believers to dissociate with the idolist was intended to force him to recognize that his disorderly behavior was inappropriate in God's loving community. The church needs to dissociate with him to express the church's disapproval of his action. Hopefully, when he experienced isolation from the church, which was his only support community there, because as a believer, as a Christian in Thessalonica, you are already being persecuted by your own countrymen. And now this is the only community that you have. And if this community have to isolate you, you will be alone. It's scary for... It's very scary. Okay. So hopefully when he experienced isolation from the church, which was his only support community, that will force him to recognize the seriousness of his wrongdoing and repent and turn back. At the end, Paul still considered the idler a brother and his desire was for him to return back, turn away from their idleness and be redeemed back to Christ's family. When he disciplined, and in fact, when we think about our own, when we discipline our children, we never say that we want to cast him back out. Right? We think about helping them to turn back to God or turn, to do the right things. So the same way in the church, when we discipline, it is about turning the person back to Christ so that they can be belong to the community again. Are some of us tired and weary of doing good for the Lord? Discouraged by our ministry's consistent lack of fruits or disappointments with the results? Don't give up. The Bible says you're in good company. You know, in Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fix our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning in shames, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such oppositions from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's Jesus' encouragement to all of us who are weary and tired. Press on, brothers and sisters, for victory already belongs to Jesus Christ. For victory already belongs to Jesus Christ. Or is your life in disorder? Some area of your life is not according to Christ's teaching. If you feel defeated, I know you try to do it, but if you feel defeated and want to give up, the call for us is to return to Jesus. He's calling you back to Him to start anew. 1 John 1 9 says, and give us the assurance. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In Jesus, there is forgiveness and grace. Today, God calls you to return to Him through Jesus Christ. So in conclusion, I just released out the three points that we went through. I'm not going to read, but I'm just going to share a story and I believe that this story may help us to just uh, bring everything together. You know, recently I was in the library 
and I witnessed a very interesting dynamic between a friends, two friends who were studying their O-levels. For easy reference, I will call to these two girls A and B. Okay, because I don't know their name. Ah. Okay, follow along with me. Ah. One of the girl A came to the study table first and started to use her phone. You know, they put down the books, then they sit down and use the phone. Okay. She was supposed to be studying, her O-level is around the corner, but she was too engrossed catching up with the social medias and all the news. So after 15 minutes, right, her friend B come and sit beside her. Okay. And when she realized that A was still using her phone, B picked up a piece of paper and slapped A's shoulder twice. And look at her with like, what are you doing? You know, with displeasure. Next, B did something very interesting and surprised me. She pointed to A's phone and then waved to the hand, give me the phone. <laughs> okay, give me the phone. To my amazement, a willing hand, A willingly handed her phone to over to B and started her revision. We put her friend's phone aside and started her own revision too. I think this is what it means to be a true friend, a friend willing to discipline another for the good of another. And the one being disciplined willingly humbled herself by giving up her idleness, recognizing that it was for her own good. If two students who are good friends can relate in this manner, what more? We who are brothers and sisters in the family of God, shouldn't we love one another more than that? May our love for God be shown through our love for one another in God's family. Let all that we do for one another be founded in God's love. Let us pray. Father God, we give thanks to you, Lord. That you have given us your command, you have taught us how to live a life that is pleasing to you. And give us, given us the community, Ilang Evangelical Free Church here, to journey and to walk with us. There'll be times where we encourage one another and there'll be times where we've got to discipline. And I pray that, Lord, the time of joy and the time of sorrow and even for discipline will not be a time where we feel that you are against me, you don't like me, but, Lord, it's because of love for one another, for the good of that person or even ourselves. So I pray that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide our church, every one of us here individually, to love one another as an expression for our love for God. True works. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.